Blog Talk Radio. Um, let's see. Wally Cody. Today I have as my guests three wonderful girls, Adara, Ariel, and Adelia. The youngest is two. They have traveled to several countries and have come a long way to be with me. They will share with us a remarkable story. My name is Neville D'Angelo. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky little problems. We play a few games, too, and attract the remarkable characters of three classic books. Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. All of which you can get in your favorite format from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Let's call this episode Little Mango, Big Mango Tree. Some parents tell their children fairy tales, sometimes just to entertain them, more often though to impart wisdom or to teach some lesson that is easier told in the broad strokes of a tale than with the sharp lines of life's tricky truths, those blunt, harsh strokes of adult realities. Some parents opt against conditioning their children with tales, such as would teach them to fear shadowy monsters, those under the bed and in their closets, the green monsters, the black monsters, the ugly monsters, fearing that such tales ill-prepare their children to face the real monsters, the ones that will attack in the bright lights of a swampy life, the ones hiding in the curvatures of beating hearts, greed, gluttony, anger, Lust, laziness, envy, vanity. Some of these parents spare no detail in their telling. 
Far be it from me to tell a parent how to spare or to prepare a child. Indeed, isn't that the burden and the joy? Now, this I can say for sure. Children are much more brilliant than many adults are disposed to know. The genius and joys of too many children are far too often diluted, diverted, or devalued by ignorance, by the prejudices, fears, desperations, and selfishness of surrounding adults and this need not be so let's let it not be so so here is our question for the day how does a little mango hanging on a high branch over a deep lake in the center of a huge Storm fulfill its dream of becoming a big mango tree on prized land. Okay, okay, I'll make it simpler. How do you get to where you want to go? It's pretty easy, actually, isn't it? Hi, Adara, Ariel, and Adelia. Welcome along the journey. The adorable two-year-old here has pretty much got me wrapped around her finger already. There was singing a cappella earlier for an hour or so, and she was pretty much calling the shots, telling her sisters what to sing. She insisted that you must start singing beginning with your ABCs. Who was I to argue? monsters formerly known as greed, gluttony, anger, lust, laziness, envy, and vanity 
have undergone a remarkable makeover and are now officially embraced by new paradigms of virtue. Since roundly disavowing their heritage, these made-over monsters, greed, gluttony, anger, lust, laziness, envy, and vanity, have morphed into societal pillars and are now esteemed members of the Grand Plan Council. They therefore have the Grand Council's approval to morph what was formerly known as abuse into the new beloved tough love. Meanwhile, roadblocks are being erected and new detours being constructed along the good roads. This is our late breaking news. We return you to regular programming. Hey little little, the cow played the fiddle, the cow jumped over the moon. The little dog asked to see that one, and the dish ran away with the spoon. <laughs> My, my, my. Uh, Little Mango, Big Mango Tree is a series written by Peter George and Lexi Renee. Book One, Rise of the Twilight Twelve. It is a modern fable, and of course it looks to the question of how does a mango get to where it wants to, to go. A mango which has no hands to do its bidding, no mouth to shout its calling, no feet to find a path through dry land. So how does it get there? It is storytelling in the beautiful traditions of Lord of the Flies, Treasure Island, and even The Alchemist. And even though it's written for tweens, it can be enjoyed by younger, older, and adults alike. If you ever shelved a dream or given up, if you have a dream, if you think it's too late to dream, if you have no reason to dream whatsoever, uh, this is a good gift and a good read for you. I'll say if you're building a legacy or wished you did, if you haven't a prayer in Chokamaka of having any legacy whatsoever, Get this book as a gift. So how does a little mango, against all odds, achieve its dream of being a big mango tree? The series is set in a community called Amora. Uh, the story at this point is being shared uh, by a young lad named Palu, who is involved with some very unique experiments, and of course, of his other friends. I have asked... Adara to do a cold reading of the beginning of this series, Chapter 1, In the Moonlight. Adara? Long before you were born, when Pluto was still a planet and Kokomoko was called the Place of Plenty, there was an old mango tree by Penbrook Pond. We loved that old tree. The tree was so large, birds gathered to play hide-and-seek while the sun played peekaboo between its leaves. Butterflies used to dance around its lower branches 
while rare bumblebees hiding beneath Mr. Monfield's bamboo bushes flew by in search of a prime spot to spy on Miss Jenny's pretty blossoms. Monkeys loved that old mango tree. Lizards, ladybugs, and loafers loved to skitter, skim, and shuffle through the thick green foliage just to be cool. Gato, the barn cat, was often there to prowl, poised, pounce, and rats attempting to slip sideways above the water's edge on a daredevil dash to the potato fields. That old mango tree lived beside Penbrook Pond so long. Its trunk had turned grayish black, and its bark had begun to crack and peel. But that old mango tree was strong. Sixty feet to the inch, deep-rooted and balanced, she was majestic. She was the queen of Amora. She was awesome. This tree was so awesome, and Nancy, the most famous spider in Amora, wove a spectacular web between her two tucked-away bottom branches to hang back, like an old wizard in a hammock absorbing the breeze. Everyone in our village loved the old mango tree. Well, everyone but the bully, Mr. Mallow and his henchmen, the crawls. The best view of that tree was from my bedroom window. But there wasn't a bad view of her from anywhere this side of Amora. Nevertheless, the wise Nancy did say, Blind man don't care about the view, stick tell he where to go. But what is deaf man to do when he eyes gone pull? Every season after the blooms and before harvest, hundreds of mangoes bloomed from every branch of that old tree. When the full sun beamed upon their ripeness, orange and yellow and crimson and green blended beautifully. Mangoes huddled like pretty rainbows. Mangoes hovered like kites in a carnival. Mangoes dangled from limbs like lollipops under the sun. We adored that sturdy old tree. As I said, everyone but the bully. Mr. Mallow and his henchmen, the crawls. Those mangoes used to look so delicious and smell so sweet. One season I had an urge to sneak out of my house, climb into the old tree, and eat every last mango before the villagers came through with their baskets. I snuck out the, through our back door. I approached the tree like Gato, the barn cat. I checked out every juicy mango to see which one would be first to tickle my taste buds. Up so close, though, those mangoes seemed so gorgeous, so special, my heart flipped. I began to long for every mango to stay in the tree forever. This feeling caught me by total surprise. I sat on a high branch, flip-flopping for a long time. I played any mini miny mo with each mango in reach. Still, I couldn't choose the one to squeeze and eat. Then one particular mango caught my eye. It was a small mango. Its face was red in a manner quite different from the rest. Each time I reached up to pick the mango, a breeze blew leaves over it, covering it. It was if the breeze was saying, not this little mango, and not just yet. Try some other ripe mango. Eat the rest. 
but I just couldn't choose another one. I flip-flopped. After a while, I settled back under the old mango tree and thought of how to invite the entire world to come and buy and admire, admire Amora's joy. This old mango tree beside the shimmering lake we called Penbrook Pond. Come one, come all, come see our mango tree. She is a beauty, she is a joy, she is a queen. She will feed you like a royal and show you wondrous things. Come one, come all, come see her. The sound of my voice traveled across our shimmering lake and echoed in the distance. Come one, come all, come see our mango tree. She is a beauty, she is a joy, she is a queen. She will feed you like a royal and show you wondrous things. Come one, come all, come see her. I began to wonder what my guest would be like. How will they behave when they come see our fine mango tree? I imagined my guest being enchanted by her magnificent aroma. I imagined them standing back, mouths wide open, thinking, Wow, just look at her. I wondered if I should whisper in every ear, Make a wish and see what happens. Or if I should let be what will be and simply hang back like a Nancy. Perhaps it's best to let knowledge of the old mango tree's secret stay in Amura. I began thinking. Then I started to flip-flop again. I tried imagining my guests dancing at the side of the old tree, but couldn't decide whether they would dance like, like the Western Amorans or more like the Southern Amorans. For Eastern Amorans will tell you, no one can dance like the Northern Amorans, nor would even want to try. I imagined them taking pictures as if they were standing beside the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower or Big Ben. I imagined them having a picnic on our open field. I imagined them sailing across our lake to swim in the creeks beside our mountains. I imagined them returning by moonlight or sit or sit under the old mango tree. Miss Ina used to sit under the mango tree in the moonlight. The lake flowing behind her like a shawl of diamonds in the soft breeze. We have many pretty girls in Amora. You may say many of them are as pretty as Miss Aina. Joni, Jan Jan, and Renee. Three of my closest friends are as pretty as magazine pictures. But Miss Aina knocks boys out. She bowls men over. She is a rare beauty. Inside of Miss Aina, boys get Google-eyed and do stupid things. Enrico, Andre, and Keith, three more of my closest friends, dance and do handstands on the boulders near Penbrook Pond whenever they see her. Leland chews his fingernails and makes sounds like a dolphin. Noel climbs on top of his father's barn and sings. Actually, he howls. Like I said, boys do stupid things 
whenever Miss Aina is around. But young men dream, the old men drool and drink until they are drunk. Then they do stupid things. Whenever Miss Aina walks through the village in the late afternoons, somehow world gets around. Girls peek from behind their curtains or stare through the garden bushes. As soon as Miss Aina is out of sight, they run to their mirrors to practice being Miss Aina. Back when the old mango tree was sturdy and strong, whenever the moon was out and the village was about to sleep, Miss Aina used to step barefoot from her bungalow and walk to the old mango tree under the moonlight. All along her path, suddenly the surrounding bushes would grow eyes. Miss Aina never looked left nor right. She just walked on, but she knew she was being admired. She used to spread her blanket under the mango tree, pick the choicest mango, sit on her blanket, and sing one or two of her favorite mango songs. She knew the bushes were listening to her. Oh, how Miss Aina could sing. Down through the eons, faces have launched a thousand ships and voices have moved the most devious hearts away from their wickedness. A note, a chord, a line from Miss Aina under that old mango tree could give a dying man solace for his lonesome trip and a woman hope for her trying kids. Foxes used to watch Miss Ayana from their holes as she sang, but jealous snakes sneezed into hiccups exhausted by the sweetness of her voice. Practically, anyone in Amora will tell you. When Miss Ayana was done singing, when she was done eating her chosen mango, she would stoop beside the lake and wash that mango seed before placing it in her pouch. Then she would settle comfortably into her blanket, drift to sleep, and dream. How is it that everyone knows what Miss Ayana dreamed? I cannot tell you, but I can tell you there are amazing stories about her dreams. Oh, how Miss Ayana could dream! Such dreams caused old men to drink twice as much as usual, then sing their old men kind of songs. Then they did more stupid things. No one dared disturb Miss Aina when she was under the mango tree dreaming, not even Tonga, a handsome newcomer from San Nicholas, who used to climb into the breadfruit tree and watch her dream. Miss Aina knew she was being admired at her every turn and from every corner of Amora. But she did not know Tonga was up in the breadfruit tree watching her. Many girls studied Miss Aina to decipher what made her so beautiful. Was it her face or was it her walk? Was it her shape or something in her heart? Was it her eyes? Was it her hips or was it her lips? Was it her voice, how sweetly she sang, or was it in the mystery of her being? Was it what she wore or was it how she dressed? Was it her hair or how she bore herself? 
What makes Miss Ina so very beautiful? That's what boys and girls are asking. Nana said it is simple. Miss Ina knows the old mango tree's secret. Other Amoran girls did what Miss Ina did, whichever girl was smart and swift enough to sneak under the mango tree first. Whenever Miss Ina was gone to visit her grandmother in Kokomoka, but if any of these girls dreamed like Miss Ina, none were saying. All Amorans know mango is the fruit of love. Given the chance, a young girl will choose to spread the blan her breast blanket under a mango tree in the moonlight and eat many mangoes. Not my friends Jan Jen, Joni, Renee, and even Evie thought. They'd rather spread their blankets under the open sky, set up their tripods, pull out their telescopes and constellation charts, and have a star party without the boys. Every Amoran knows that the mango tree is the king of fruit trees. She preferred fruit tree of true blood royals, royals the world over, owned large mango groves. This is why Amora has so many cultivars. The mango tree is not only a royal symbol of station and status, it is a statement of blessings and abundance. There was, however, more to the old mango tree by Pembroke Pond much more to her than granting wishes, igniting love, and enriching dreams, more than blessing families and providing comfort. To some, this was a sacred tree. To Amora, this was a legendary tree. She was our treasure. She inspired us. She was our Statue of Liberty. She was our Eiffel Tower. She was our Big Ben. She taught us many things. Indeed, she was the living example of why the poet said, A thing of beauty is a joy forever. It seemed only right then that all the world should be invited to meet her in the moonlight. Thank you, Adara, for taking my challenge in reading on the cold. Ariel didn't want to be left out, so I'll join her with a couple more paragraphs. Are you ready, Ariel? Let's do a few lines from Chapter 2. I had a dream. Dearly, darling, I fall asleep under the old mango tree. I had a dream there, a very strange dream. I was, it was still daylight when I awoke. I must not have slept long. I began thinking who should be the who should be first on my guest list. The Pope, the President, a princess or a prince. In the midst of mulling over the question, a mango fall fell upon my head. Plunk it dropped to the ground and rolled onto a nearby ant mound. The unamused ants rushed up to check out the wandering mango, but that did not register. 
because I was looking up into the tree to see if a monkey was up to no good. But no monkey was up there. I picked up the mango and intended to dust it off and eat it. Right then, a thought crossed my mind. What if I invited these outsiders and they came? Would they turn out to be like the people of Amora who loved this tree? Or more like the bully in Amora who won this old tree? cut down and mulched. I thought that I might unwittingly invite people like Mr. Mao and the crawls made my scream crawl. Then I said to myself, no, the people of our world cannot possibly, possibly all be like Mr. Mao and his accomplices. Well, could they? What if my invited guests are so excited at seeing the old mango tree in all her glory, they raid her, rip away every last mango, and leave her bruised and barren? Bedraggled, she falls down. That thought made my skin crawl. An ant on the mango in my hand bit me. Jeez! I tossed the mango, and it rolled into the lake. Another horrible thought entered my mind. What if my guests have no regard for our mango tree, but are so enamored with our lake, and our two mountains, and our creeks, and our rivers, and Amora's other natural wonders, that they knock over the old tree in their stampede to get to those treasures? That would break the hearts of so many Amorans. I wouldn't be able to stand in daylight ever again. I couldn't let that happen. Horrible thoughts crisscrossed my mind like a shower of meteors flying through the black night. My heart grew heavy. I lumbered from the old tree back into my house and sat by my window. I stared at the old tree. I worried that people from around the world may never discover our wonder, this old mango tree. They may never get to marvel at her like we do. For who knows, if they were allowed the opportunity, if they would trample on kindness and vex our people. Palu? Hearing my name, I almost jumped out of my skin. Yes, Mama? Well, well, she said. What's going on in that busy little head of yours? You almost leapt right out of that window when I called your name. What's on your guilty conscience today? <laughs> Nothing, Mama. I wasn't born yesterday, Palu. I didn't just crawl from under a rock. Guilt does tricky things with idle minds. What trouble are you into now? Mama, I was just looking out. Mm-hmm. Just looking out, huh? You've been parked at that window, staring into space for God knows how long. You have your face fixed like a prune, your shoulders cranked up to your ears, and your skin wound so tight, one sound off my tongue, and you almost jumped over the moon. Do you really expect me to believe you are just looking out? Is a daylight vampire lurking around out there? No, Mama. Is a less drunk 
under the tree? So drunk little rats are nibbling his earbag, setting loose the wicked winds while he is snoring? I chuckled at the image of rats nibbling away at Alice's windbag, even though it was peculiar that Mama mentioned Alice, since it was he I was dreaming about when I fell asleep under the mango tree. I dreamt he forgot his windbag on the wrong side of the sea. I was just looking out at the mango tree, Mama. Why? Did it grow big ears? She leaned over me and looked out at the mango tree. Looks the same today as yesterday. Less a few mangoes. I'd say she is trimmed down a little. Don't see any big ears, though. Mama, I'm just in awe and admiration of her. What kind of awe and admiration turn a boy's face into a prune and get his Hiney all puckered. Mama! Not a worry in this world is ever worthy of a moment's deliberation, son. She fetched me a slice of mango bread along with a glass of lemonade. Put this in your stomach, she said, and stir this little thought around in your busy little head. That tree out there is a fruitful tree. She is still bearing fruits in her old age. That, my son, is smart. That tree out there is not a stupid tree. That tree knows that not one worry in this world will ever keep one leaf from falling off her limb. So she puts her energies into fruiting, not into worrying. Do you know what we call that, Palu? Smart? Wisdom, boy. She's a wise old tree. Roll that around in your little head. Let it marinate. The next time you find you are in awe and admiration of her, chew on that. Let that tree be your teacher, son. She is a long time best friend. That is the opening sequence of Little Mango, Big Mango Tree, Rise of the Twilight Twelve, by Peter George and Lexi Renee. Beautiful songs, poetry, lovely story, fine lessons on nature, character building. Enjoy the songs. How does a mango get to where it wants to go? How do you? In this episode, you're hearing music from the original soundtrack of Little Mango, Big Mango Tree, music by Gary Langle.
Many thanks to Adara, Ariel, and Adelia. They're my three nieces, three daughters of one of my sisters, and they came uh, to surprise me in a very precious visit, sang a lot of songs for me, and as you would imagine, spent a lot of precious time together. They wanted me to take them on a bus ride and a train ride, and I did. While we were all traveling on the bus, I was sitting together with the two-year-old, uh, she was kissing my hand, I was kissing her forehead, and we were uh, playing a l lovely time. I looked across to the other seat, and there was a woman there looking at us, and she, I thought for a second that her eyes looked wet, but she kept looking at us. And then she smiled, and she said, that's so lovely. I smiled back at her, and then she shook her head again. And then just before she left the bus, she spoke aloud. She said, it's so beautiful to see such love between a father and a daughter. We really need some more of that. I looked at her, looked at my sister, since, of course, the two-year-old was not my daughter. I smiled and I said, thank you. There was much about uh, the manner and demeanor of the woman as well as her words uh, that stuck with me. So uh, when I went to my barber, she's a hairstylist and she tries her darndest to make me handsome, God help her. I told her uh, about the, the situation on the bus, and I asked her if it was really that rare to observe affections between a father and a daughter in the open, and she said, which was sad for me to hear, it is very, very rare. And she was remarking that she agreed with the woman she too wishes she can see more of that. It makes me realize how fortunate it is to see some friends of mine who are fathers. I see them being very affectionate and loving to their kids. Take that for what you will. How? And does a little mango become a big mango tree? On prized land. Everyone else in the room could see it. Everyone else but you. Baby, you light up my world like nobody else. Who is it you flip your hair gets me overwhelmed. But when you smile at the ground, it ain't hard to tell. You don't know. Oh, oh. You don't know you're beautiful. I guess mirrors are really useful things. I still wish in the world. Don't ask me, I never tell. I looked at you as you fell. But now you're in my way. I trade my soul for a wish. Pennies and dimes for a kiss. I wasn't looking for this. But now you're in my way. Your stare was holding. Ripped jeans, skin was showing. Hard night, wind was blowing. Where you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy, but here's my number. So call me, maybe it's hard to look right at you, baby. But here's my number. So call me, maybe. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Thank you again, Adara, Ariel, and Adelia. And I'm grateful for my sister. Uh, this I have several sisters. Uh, her name is Lana, and I will have her on the program soon. I asked her what she wanted to talk about on the program, and she said, 
men. I told her I'll give her the mic and leave the room. <laughs> See you next week. It's time. <laughs> Is everybody ready? It's time. Your feet on the ground, put your hands in the air and the stretch and the stretch. Place your hands in your hips, lean from side to side and stretch. Yes, stretch. Stretch yourself to be what you can be. You can do it. Big and strong, just like the mango tree. That's right now. Stretch yourself, it is no mystery. Everybody. You can be just like the mango tree. Yeah. And out and in and down. Stretch. And out and in and down. Spread your feet twice apart. Touch the tip of your toes and stretch. Yeah, stretch. Raise your hands in the air. Hop up into the sky and stretch. You've got to stretch. Stretch your Stretch the line, oh yeah. Keep it up now. 